0: dot com. Welcome to Sustainable Packaging with Corey Connors. Today's guest is my friend Tom Jackson, the CEO and co-founder of Honest Ocean.
1: Hey, Tom, how are you? I'm very well, Corey. How are you? Really good. Where are you joining us from, Tom? I'm currently in Indonesia, so oh, I'm, I'm, I'm living in Bali
0: these days. Excellent. Well, tell us a little bit about your background. How did you get into this career? Absolutely.
1: Yes, yeah, so Corey, it's Started really from, I, I worked on the water for a long time, I sort of yacht crew, a lot of sailing instructing when I was younger, so I was always based around the water and from sort of 2011 on to sort of 2018, saw a lot of plastic building up and I was actually doing a crossing from Fiji to New Zealand, the South Pacific and sort of we came across a big, big sort of plastic berg and we actually connected with it, the boat did, which was really interesting because no one was really talking about it at that time. This was sort of 2016. And yeah, it, it scared us all quite a lot. And I couldn't get that out of my head. That's kind of where it all started. And then fast forward six years, I moved, moved shop, moved to Indonesia and started looking into the problem. And the mission continues. Well,
0: it's it's a terrible reason for what you do, but it's <laughs> it's good work that you're doing. Tell us about Honest Ocean. How How does it work? What do you guys do?
1: Right. Yeah. So Honest Ocean, we basically micromanage plastic waste, plastic waste streams. And we see where that ends up, where it started from and, and how we can really put that back into a circular economy. Or, for instance, if plastic can't be recycled, then we try and come up with other solutions for that. So essentially, we're a recycler with communities across Southeast Asia. Excellent
0: and a real hotbed there for that issue i know
1: so thank you right for what you're doing absolutely yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty out there in terms of very little household collection you can literally watch it with your eyes coming past coming past seeing it go straight into the ocean so yeah (laughs)
0: that's tough to tough, tough to see i'm excited to be talking to, to one of the people that's solving the problem rather than contributing to it. So thank you. Is, is the material processed where you find it or, or do you ship it somewhere
1: else to a centralized location? Absolutely. And that's a great question. Not many people sort of want to pick it apart too much. But yeah, so we, once it's been collected, we'll wait until we've got a truckload enough instead of doing lots of little trips. So within that coastal community, We'll do it either once a week or every couple of weeks. That will then go as locally as as we can do it, say so to a to a sorting to an aggregator close by. For most of East Indonesia, where we do it, it, it's about half an hour to forty minute drive. And then the actual from there, the next step, which is recycling into either pellets or or flaking that plastic, that is done another fifteen minutes further on that. And then the next step, of course, is manufacturing location. So sometimes that's export. A big part of our mission was to try and get it away from Indonesian shores, Southeast Asian shores. And there's, there's nearly 900 virgin plastic producers here. And the infrastructure for recycling is less than half of that number. So that was always a wow. as as a big one for us. Yeah, it's crazy. You think it's seven million tons a year in Indonesia alone, and less than wow. less than four hundred processing plants to, to deal with that.
0: Wow. So seven million tons of of plastic produced.
1: Is that what you're saying? Right. Yeah, virgin produced plastic. That's before you even get to the aluminium and the cardboard and and all the other stuff, which is
0: highly recyclable as well and all in indonesia which is a very small country to my knowledge
1: <laughs> it is indeed yeah and uh, it's very close to china you know we've got australia right here japan korea so yeah there's a lot of stuff that's been shipped here for the last 25 years even from uk australia even even a little bit of america as well so it's yeah it's it's difficult place where it's all, all been accepted it's been piling up in the middle of indonesia and they've been taking money for that imported waste and now it's now the overflows is, is yeah it's massively backfiring but thankfully there's a there's a a number of us trying to do something about it but it's all a, it's all about the scale
0: are you are you finding it to be more profitable now with the onset of extended producer responsibility
1: absolutely yeah and the and the movement we're into social plastic and brands starting to care more about where the materials coming from asking a little bit more questions from their suppliers, which yeah. is then coming to us, which is which is great. Being able to have a premium for that, diverting that back to the communities that can actually scale their collection. So a big a big part of that is letting them grow, and that's a big part of us not being an NGO because we can actually put it in place, grow. We can lease shredding or collection materials. They can grow a business, for instance, mum and pop. Little shops. If you have three hundred of those, right, you can yeah. you can get to you can get to a hundred tons fairly quickly. You just go and pick it up, and you create great you know connections with them. And half my life is going into small communities on the coast, speaking to the chiefs, breaking bread with them, and just saying, "How do we solve this? You guys, the waste is either coming from the ocean or it's, it's coming from the city, which is going to the ocean, washing up." And these are all fishing communities. So it's, what's the problem? How do we solve it? Instead of you guys living in the waste, let's turn that into a business, get it back into the recycling market or paralysis, whatever that material can do. And yeah, just just try and combat it because these guys don't have household collection like we have in the West. So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a nice part of speaking to the individuals and being able to do something on the ground that way. Are you finding that the local
0: people want to be involved? Or are they frustrated? Obviously they're frustrated by it. Are they excited to help? or are they resistant to what you're doing?
1: A lot Most of them actually are pretty open to the help. and we always sort of try and find the people in the community who are who are really really passionate about it. And it's usually the women here, which is fantastic. And they they keep they keep the men in line. So it's great that we can <laughs> we can find the individuals and like, we really, we really want to do this here. Will be, yeah. people be excited? And there's a there's a big part of it, Corey, which is the education. And back in the day, in the market, everything was wrapped in banana leaves. So they go to the market, collect the food in banana leaves, and once it's done, that can go that can go in the river or in a field or yeah. side of the road because that would all break down. And you know, generations have moved on. Plastics there, but it's still being discarded uh, in Indonesia very poorly. And there's no there's no really options, no options for them to do anything there. So yeah, they're open to it, and their their kids are there. And when we do beach cleans, we just did one on, last Sunday on an island close to here, and it was kids. Three quarters of it was kids, you know, under fifteen, which is amazing because it's actually allowing. That. Yeah, it's it's allowing to to stop. You know, the the parenting potentially the old school thinking about it or not doing anything about it, should I say. And the kids are coming and they're excited and they're doing it. And, you know, that's the generational separation, which is really, really important here. And those guys are even more excited than their parents about what we're doing. And when we started a couple of years ago, you know, some of them are now 19, 20 years old and, and they're starting their own little micro waste banks and they're getting 15, 20 people to bring waste to them and then they weigh that. They separate that, weigh it, and they'll leave that in the corner for us to come and get when they when they give us a call. And that's we do great. business on WhatsApp here. <laughs> it's still um, run that
0: way. That's wonderful. I'm surprised that the the local government hasn't started some kind of a collection program, but it, it's encouraging that they're supporting you. And not resistant to what you're doing. Exactly.
1: And you know, we don't want to be foreigners coming in here. We have a team of local local guys and my local language skills that need to be improved. So we have <laughs> we have the amazing Ray and Rudy who are based and they go and uh, go around and, and speak to them and make sure everything's happy. But yeah, they're actually very open to it. And you know, they, they want to make money too. And this material. It's valuable. So yeah, being able to create that relationship, the contracts with them, it's it's really nice. Yeah, really nice to do that and turn it around for, for their villages. That's excellent. In the past,
0: was the material often burned instead of, of yeah. being flaked and, and turned back into something usable? Yeah. Right.
1: Absolutely. And actually there's a big part of that quarry still here, which is the multi-layer, multi-layer plastics, which can't be recycled. And every aggregator and supplier seems to still have a burn pit in the corner, which is, you know, your your byproduct of plastic of values. For instance, the water bottle labels, the PET, those those labels all need to go somewhere. And the government are doing things about it, and it's and it's great that they are looking at those those routes. It's just not enough. I mean, from our from our waste bank network, we have access to 2000 tons a month of just multi-layer plastic that's unprocessable. And it, re- it really puts us in a difficult place where it's do we take it and it sits in a warehouse, it, which is better than being burnt, which could potentially be around, you know, children in those areas. Right. And they do have lung problems here from from that. And if you've got, you know, three, 4,000 aggregators in Indonesia, that's been burnt six days a week. Yeah that's, yeah. yeah, that's a pretty messy, horrible situation. So the solutions are coming, the tech's coming in paralysis, the chemical recycling, which is there. It's just the infrastructure growth, the investment here. That's really the next push for the next three years, which we're really trying to work on and and other people here so yeah hopefully that solution will be available for for every community here well if someone's listening and
0: they have an idea or a way to help tom and his team with that particular situation please reach out to tom i think that's uh, it's tragedy when when we hear about this plastic being burned it's the worst way for it to end up well other than going into the ocean i guess i i'm not sure frankly which one's worse but you know <laughs> The best of two evils, I suppose. If if anyone has any uh, contacts or uh, investors who are looking to help uh, Tom uh, reach out to him, he needs it. What do you recommend on a more larger scale? What do you recommend people do in the world of packaging to make their packaging more sustainable? Yeah, that's, that's
1: a great question, Corey. So I think in terms of the packaging and also it's the process of how that packaging got there. So is it is it the sustainable the product itself or is it that that supply chain? And I think being able to build a product which essentially upfront might be a little bit more expensive, but they can be used fifty to hundred times. I really I really feel that brands can take responsibility for that, and you do see things with TerraCycle and Loop, which you know. They own the packaging and it comes back, which is which is awesome. And I, I would love to encourage brands to to take ownership of where it goes next, create that traceability supply chain of, oh, you know, this ended up here, and you've got this data technology now where you can track everything. Get that product back to you guys, fill it up, and 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 create it again. And we're in now in a world of recycling, where, for instance, PET plastic. They believe it's around seven times that it can be recycled, but there's no there's no data on that. So it's it's really interesting for for brands to hold their own and go, this is us. This is what we're doing. Let's take our packaging back, or let's find a way for that to get that to be reused again, or yeah. just build it stronger, build it to last, and in, invest in that up front. And yeah. yeah, consumers are going to love that. Uh, especially if they can turn that into something else at home you know those wine those wide cardboard carriers which are really yeah. robustable and they flat pack Just make that into another product make it at home a little portable shelf and yeah, yeah lots of content around that it could be really fun
0: I totally agree I had the honor of interviewing Tom Zaki the CEO of TerraCycle right. and Loop the more I talk to him the more I learn about what's going on in the world of packaging the more that reusable packaging makes more and more sense to me, and I totally agree. I think that will take a larger piece of the pie in the future, and it's an amazing thought. I interviewed the CEO of Lime Loop, and she was talking about how they have these mailer pouches that can be used over 200 times. That's amazing. amazing. <laughs> right? Yes, yeah. uh, why cool. single-use plastic, single-use packaging? is has its place but if it's not easily recycled we need to look at aggressive ways of doing things differently
1: absolutely and we've got a whole new world of of bioplastics as well which is a big thing but if that gets into a recycling machine the re- recycling machine won't know about it that's so the then you've right. got that's it. You got then we've got modern problems for that. So yeah, I think like you said, reusing, taking ownership of that. I think I think there could be some great great stuff to play on with that.
0: I did a post on LinkedIn about compostable plastics, and I asked these learned professionals, "What do you do with compostable packaging after you're done with it?" And forty-seven percent of them said, "Recycle it." That's an issue that these are people yeah. in the packaging industry. They don't know that that's bad for our system and degrades the recycling stream and can even damage equipment and you know things like that. But right. it has to be, there's an education that's happening and it's rapid. I see it, but so I'm not saying it's a bad option. I'm just saying it needs a lot more education.
1: Absolutely. And with the point of difference and people wanting to jump on the new thing, I totally understand the USP that that comes with, but over long term, how does that affect the recovery rate and things like that? Uh, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's, they're very new versions of. And it's really interesting to be in this world to see how quickly things are moving, especially technology and in processing, recycling, and even creating those products. But the long-term effects of, of the short-term gains is, is a question that's yeah really interesting in, the, in this industry. Yeah. How can average
0: consumers like me help the situation? What should we be focusing on?
1: Fantastic. I mean, we vote, voting power comes from consumer buying. Uh, and single-use keeps winning because it's on the shelf and you're in a hurry and you've got the kids and the dog <laughs> and it's hot, and, you know, you you got to get out there. But the power that consumers have is really the demand of where you're asking, you know, the brands. what are you guys doing? Like, why do I purchase your product? What do you give me back I, is either a sense of belonging to something else, being a part of your journey because you're helping a little bit more. So, yeah, what can consumers do? just just ask the brands you know that we're in a great place with people can come in and actually interact with brands what are they doing how are they verifying where the product's coming from are we helping people we're trying to we're, for honestation we're trying to create qr codes and, and things that people can actually scan on the shop on the shop floor when they pick it up and it can show you exactly where that material was collected for us anyway for our market So we really feel that people want to connect to something that, you know, they're picking off the shelf. And it's not a nice feeling when you see all that plastic in there, or you see all that stuff that you know is going to be in your hand for for five minutes. So yeah, I I really believe voting power comes from from asking your companies to do do a little bit more and your voting power is what you buy. So yeah, it's a really important part of, of the whole process. Absolutely. That's a simple way to
0: really make a difference in the world. I agree totally 100%. Constantly posting about that on different social media channels to try to just encourage. (laughs) Yeah. What's next, Tom? Any any new future plans? Any expanding to different countries or anything yeah. exciting?
1: Yeah. So Southeast Asia is still going to be a big part of it. So Thailand, Vietnam, as well as India will come online in the next sort of 18 months, two years. Growth and really trying to build up partnerships with, with the brands that we work with who have supported us and, and hopefully more to come with us as well as government. And then we really hope to bring products out that can show each step of the supply chain and partnering with manufacturers to to show all the way through and sort of be be at the front of, of collecting that material, but not just being a recycler, being a processor, the social impact that comes, but also getting that back into manufacturing and whatever that product goes back into. So the data and the technology based in this waste management space, the social enterprise space, is a massive part of what we do. And every order for us is tracked. So being able to grow that, being able to show people and having a map situation where people can log in, log into our platform and see where things been moved. You know, where did your product go? Where is it going next? And having a big sort of Uber style version of a map going, oh, look, you know, my product went back into this and now it's going into that. And hopefully one person might even be able to buy the same product again eventually. Uh, so that's <laughs> kind of the, the scale of things we're trying to, we're trying to achieve
0: here. The future is very bright, in my opinion. I, I'm excited about what you're doing. So keep up the good work. How do people get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, so LinkedIn. LinkedIn is always a great one. So Tom Jackson on LinkedIn or under Honest Ocean LinkedIn page, uh, as well as Tom at Honest-Ocean.com. And yeah, that's those two are the best. But LinkedIn's great. Uh, connecting more people, seeing what everyone's feeds are doing in this space. There's so much positivity going on at the moment especially with LinkedIn seeing what you're doing Corey it's it's awesome to see everyone sort of demanding more on LinkedIn yeah it's really cool
0: some days I'll get a little bit you know busy at my day job and won't post something and I'll just I almost feel bad like oh I didn't you know (laughs) I didn't I didn't contribute today (laughs) yeah and then make up for the next day Three or four, <laughs> you know, and that's it. That's it. I, uh, I I was feeling very very tired one day, and I uh, all of a sudden I I decided, okay, I'm going to post, uh, even though I don't really feel like it. And that post got ten thousand views. I thought that's ten thousand wow. people that saw that. You know, it was talking about a recycling works wine corks and how that's an option and people were really excited that oh this is the natural yeah. product that we can reuse this is really cool so we have to do our part we have to keep the grind going and continue to help support the recycling of, of packaging so well done
1: that's it and if one one person sees that post and it changes any of the way they work or how they pitch it to the company they work in you know job done it's yeah. uh, it's great
0: yeah absolutely fantastic Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate your time and your wisdom and what you're doing. I'd like to thank Landsberg Aurora for sponsoring this podcast. If you're listening, make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss the next episode and give us a review. We appreciate those a lot. Thanks again, Tom.
1: Cheers, Corey. Keep up the good
0: work. Thanks a lot. This episode is sponsored by SpecRite, the first purpose-built platform for specification management. So much has changed when it comes to packaging and there's a new book to help you stay ahead of the curve. The Evolution of Products and Packaging, written by longtime packaging executive Mr. Matthew Wright, helps you unpack industry trends and explains how you can use data to drive packaging innovation and sustainability. Download your free copy today at specright.com backslash book. That's S P E C R I G H T.com backslash book.